All right, welcome to this week's episode of The Weekly Pump. I'm your host, Johnny Blaze, and uh, after uh, a bunch of technical difficulties, uh, we finally got this figured out, and uh, I'm down here talking with the one and only Mr. Chris Villa. How you doing, Chris? What's up, Blaze? Dude, no, thank you for doing this, man. I'm you, excited to be here. Yeah. Pump it up with you yeah, on the dude, Weekly I'm Pump. Glad, I got. Man. I know the listeners can't see. I got my Reebok pumps on. I'm <laughs> no, ready. No, you, I'm don't, just, you don't. Those are sharp, though. What are those? Got, those docks? Got, yeah, they don't make pump-up Doc Martens, unfortunately. I mean, you can maybe like they, you can transfer a tongue. <laughs> yeah, maybe I might I might give you some tongues to to, yeah. to transfer if you want. You know what I mean? It's up to you though. Of course, you don't have to. You know, to each their own. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like thank you. I for everybody else, I've been bugging Chris for a while and saying like I want you on the podcast. I want you on the podcast, and he's been resistant. And I just I finally just beat him down enough. Just I caved. Yeah. I caved. But you know, I'm I'm shy. I never wanted to come on the pod, but I got some news to share, and I couldn't dream of sharing it with. Any other disc golf outlet other than the Weekly Pump? Oh man, do you want to get right into the news, or do you want to talk a little bit else? You know? Well, I'd love to just kind of get it out there because oh, yeah. I'm oh, very yeah. excited to announce that uh, I was selected by the PDGA to represent Team USA at the World Team Championships this summer in Europe. So I have a chance to represent my country and play disc golf for a gold medal, and uh, super excited. Dude, that's fucking yeah. that awesome, man. That dude, I that's crazy, dude. Congratulations, man. Thank you very much. So yeah, yeah the PDGA is shouldering some of the cost for our, the team to go over there and compete in this tournament. Um, it's going to be in August. Um, I'm currently in the process of raising the funds to make the trip over there, and so my sponsor Westside's been so awesome. They've created this really cool stamp for me and uh, printed on a bunch of discs that I have for sale. All the proceeds are going to go to fund my travels. And uh, it's a really unique stamp. So for people who are collectors of anything, Westside, people who are collectors of anything, Pennsylvania or Philadelphia, yeah, it's, very, it's very is, regional. This is uh, the Liberty Bell stamp with uh, the Westside Villa on there, representing my hometown of Philadelphia. So definitely a unique stamp for Westside collectors. And my my uh, sponsor, Cosmic Disc Golf, has been gracious enough to sell these in their store in Cherry Hill, selling them on their website as well, CosmicDG.com. Awesome, dude. And yeah. my... Cosmic Dave's a good dude. I like him. He's the man. Yeah, he's been really great and uh, helping me out, um, selling the disc, raising funds to make the trip to go play for Team USA. And my apparel sponsor, Heiser Flip, uh, Scott has also taken this stamp, the Philadelphia Liberty Bell West Side stamp, and he's putting this on some high-performance dry-fit shirts. These are going to be for sale as well soon. Okay. And again, the proceeds help fund my journey. So if anybody's interested in um, supporting and helping me make the trip to Europe this summer, um, certainly can reach out to me and purchase uh, purchase a disc or purchase a shirt. So. Dude. That's dude. That's awesome. Congrats. Thanks, All buddy. Right. All right. So that's it for the podcast. We're gonna right. wrap. We're gonna wrap it up. <laughs> I said what I wanted to say. We're done. Now I'm glad to glad to be hanging out with yeah, you, Blaze. You're yeah. one of my favorite yeah, Pennsylvania nice. people. Everywhere that I go, that I get to play disc golf is, you know, me representing Pennsylvania. Everywhere I go, I'm born and bred PA, and um, you know, I'm just very proud to represent our area, no matter well, where I go. You get to represent our country too. So that's cool. Where uh, Where is the tournament going to be? So the tournament will be in Croatia oh, in awesome. late August, and we have a, a great roster of great American players from all over the country. And um, so we have our work cut out for us. There's going to be a lot of really good teams there. Mm -hmm. The format, I mean, they do this tournament every couple of years. I know Team Finland won the gold two years ago. Um, 
but a lot of really strong European competitors, and there's 29 countries going to be represented. Okay. So uh, just the opportunity to go and compete for the U.S. is really special, and um, you know I'm sure it's going to be some good competition there in Croatia. Nice. And you've been well. We were just looking at some photos. You've been to Croatia and played yeah. tournaments. Yeah. So ironically, there, so. yeah, this tournament being in Croatia is pretty crazy because I had a chance to go there in 2019 and um, played a couple tournaments there. I had a couple wins while I was over there. So. Uh, just kind of going, kind of coming back full circle that yeah. get to compete in uh, an area I'm familiar with and actually on a course I've played before. Okay, did, really you, cool. did you win there or was or was that not one of the tournaments? I did, yeah. So I played, uh, we played a C tier at this course, which is in a city called Verazden, and um, played a C tier there in December of 2019. And I got the win in MPO. Paige Pierce was there. She got the win in FPO. So it was a really fun, really fun experience. And now, here we are a few years later, and we're playing on the international stage at that very same course. Yeah, and uh, that course is pretty well known. Philo got an ace there on film in October of 2019. It's on YouTube, and so uh, a lot of people have seen it, but uh, that, that's the course um, that kind of you know was made famous by that Philo ace. Dude, awesome. Cool, man. Hell yeah, dude. So, um, I mean, I've, I've known you for, I don't know, 10, eight, 10 years-ish probably, you know, give or take. You know, I don't want to think about that many years because it makes me feel really freaking old um like when like i i've only known you for then you were playing golf long before that right oh you want to go back on huh? oh, i'm the, gonna go back well i remember the first time i met you blaze oh, you're damn. one of my favorite people in pa disc golf okay um i like this so i like where this is going this so is <laughs> this is, this <laughs> you want to take it back exactly i remember so i remember the first tournament i ever played okay now i don't know if i met you there but i remember seeing you there and you were in the parking lot and everybody was like yo blaze and I'm like, oh, this guy's like the mayor of Nakamixon. Oh, yeah. So I don't know if I actually formally met you that day, or maybe I just met you at a tournament like later on. But I remember you being there. But that's, this was the 2013 Kilt Lifter. Over, okay. Which was the first tournament I ever played. Oh, nice. Nice. Heck Almost yeah. 10 years ago. Yeah, that was a crosstown between Naki and Tinicum. I think so. That was a good yeah. one. Yeah, I was actually, I, ironically, you know, like we were just looking at pictures of Croatia. I was just at Rick Sassman's house, mm -hmm. and he pulled out that stamp. Oh, no kidding. Because we, we mentioned the kilt lifter. Yeah, and it was like a nice like shield with a little Mr. Disc Golf in there and everything mm -hmm. like that. And said kilt lifter. It was pretty freaking cool, you know? Well, it's funny for me to look back. That's like, you know, basically 10 years ago. And that was my first ever tournament. I was not even a PDGA member. That was back when you didn't sign up for a tournament on the internet three months before the event. You would show up in the morning, yeah. cash in your pocket, go up to the TD and sign up. And the TD, of course, was Mike Salt. And uh, it was the first time I had met Mike. And I remember, I didn't even know about divisions or anything like that. And so I, sh I walked up to Mike in the morning, cash in hand. I said, I want to sign up to play today. And he said, what, di what division do you want to play? And I said, well, what are the options? And he said, pros play for cash, ams play for discs. And I didn't even know that even on the am side there was, you know, multiple. Yeah, like so, but I was like, well, who would come here and not want to play for cash? So I said, I'll Whatever, <laughs> whatever the cash is, I'll play that. Nice. You know, I'll sign you up for pro. And uh, no, I've been playing casually for a few years, and okay. so I, I, my first ever tournament, I played pretty well. I think I came in second or third place, but I remember I tied Devin. Okay. And I tied Dylan. I think oh, Ma damn. Medora took it down that year. Um, but I shot like a ten oh six or something my first round, <laughs> and. Uh, you know, even these days, if somebody were to say, hey, I, I played a tournament and I, I tied with Dylan, I tied with Devin, I'd be like, wow, you must have played pretty well. Yeah. And so um, 
you know, looking back, here we are 10 years later, and the fact that I, like, tied with those guys, I'm sure that was the first day I ever met them, and mm. now they're, like, you know, some of my favorite people to play with, my disc golf brothers. Yeah. Love those guys. Hell yeah. Dude, that's a, that's a great first tournament. So many people at that tournament that I'm now, like, such good friends with. Like, I mean, my disc golf friends are, like, man, we were, like, brothers, right? It's, yeah. like, that's how Pennsylvania is. Oh, it's a family. And so many people who played that tournament are now my disc golf fam, and that was the first day I met them. So I remember you being there in the parking lot and everybody being like, yo, Blaze! <laughs> and I'm like, who's this guy? Everybody loves this guy. He's like the mayor of Quakertown. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, that's that's not something <laughs> I want to be. <laughs> being born and raised in Quakertown, I don't want to be the mayor. But <laughs> So, yeah, that was my first tournament, 2013. Um, I, was, I was 33 years old. That's my you just didn't look back. Yeah, I just got hooked. And what hooked me was the, the sense of, like, um, what I didn't expect is the fact that Pennsylvania disc golf, especially, we have such a, uh, it's a scene, it's a community, um, and it's the people. I mean, some of the my favorite people I've ever met in my life, I've met through disc golf, and a lot of them I met on that one day. Yeah. And so um, I was hooked on the sport, the competitive nature of the sport, but really just got hooked to, you know, the subculture. Yeah. Oh, and that's the best part, you know. And there are so many little subcultures of it. I mean, we're we're developing even more. We have the well, the video. We were you were talking about how this is how Joe Mez started, and you know, in a side, in a spare bedroom office, probably, <laughs> you know. And you got the podcast side. You have all the, you know, like Dave Cox with his photos. Mm -hmm. You know, Alyssa Van Lannen like really becoming popular and doing all this awesome stuff. Collectors, sellers, mm -hmm. designers, dying discs. Like, there's so many little things. Apparel companies. You know, you got high, you just mentioned Heiser Flip, you know what I mean? There's like another one up like Quakertown Way, I think, that does stuff, Frothware, something I don't, True. I don't know. Something. Frothware, I think but, I've heard of that. Yeah, but, uh, but I mean. I've like, heard there's only one way out. There's though. only one way out, and that's in a box. Well, yeah. yeah. I'm <laughs> talking to you, Mike. You're right, the sport's growing. I'm talking growing. to you, Mike Carmen. I'm talking to you. You're, you're the only He's a one. lifer. You're, you're, you're out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I always say there's only one, for Team Heiser Flip, there's only one way out. You got to email that, Scott. Oh, yeah. That's it. <laughs> It's the only way. Is that the how do you get in? That's what I want to know. <laughs> you get you get an email from Scott. Oh, okay. He's cool. gonna email you. Oh, nice, nice, nice. <laughs> so yeah, the sport's growing, but it's branching out. Yeah. Like you said. Exactly, you know. But what hooked me was the community. And yeah. uh it just takes me back to some of like the subcultures that I got involved with when I was way young. I mean, I got into disc golf late in my life. I was thirty three when mm -hmm. I played the Kilt Left. It was my first tournament, forty two right now. But um, you know, it it reminded me of like just you know, getting hooked on like skateboarding when I was 11 years old and that's like all I wanted to do for the next five years mm -hmm. and it was just like that subculture and that you know that sort of um kind of community yeah. that I found at that age in my life I found so many similarities years later playing yeah. disc golf well I PA. know I know like we we have similar tastes in music you know like like you know thrash punk hardcore music stuff like that a lot of like a lot of their ways of marketing was like street teams yeah, like totally. I remember getting slappies, like like boxes yeah. of stickers, and just them just saying, like vandalize everything and go and like just put it <laughs> I was everywhere. On several street teams, like yeah, Victory Records, yeah. and uh, oh my god, so many bands that never made it anywhere. But yeah, yeah, oh exactly. Totally. You know, I mean, they made it into our hearts, though. That's the yes. thing. You know, we'll I still every so often I see like little clips and stuff like that of like of the bands I used to listen to. It's pretty cool. But uh, but more so, like a lot of these companies are doing it now. Like Discraft has a street team or a Discraft yeah. Underground Prodigy yeah, underground. Street Team. It's like people that aren't you know rated very high necessarily but they're part of their community or mm -hmm. or they're just like visible 
you know, sometimes that guy that's wearing like flamboyant clothes, like everybody notices him. You know, yeah. that's the guy everybody's yelling to in the parking lot, you know, and that's who you want on your team. Oh, he's 680 rated. Oh, we don't care. <laughs> you know, because a lot of times that's where the marketing needs to go. Like pros, like, like, you, like, well, you're sponsored with your discs. You know what you're throwing. I like, I'm not sponsored with discs, but like, somebody's showing up, like you coming and having West Side discs, like that's not necessarily going to change my mind on throwing. But an am. Like, you know, I'm still figuring it out. Yeah, try this, try this, try this. You know what I mean? So I think that it's like, it's a big, it's it's big, you know, the street team and focusing more on the amateur side of it. You know what I mean? And you see it so much. You see all these, like everybody's getting sponsored nowadays. You know what I mean? I'm even sponsored. Like, it's crazy. You know, it's like when it gets to that point, you know, it's it's huge. Yeah, yeah. it's just proof that it's all growing. Yeah. But, you yeah. know, it's like, I think back to when I was, you know, very young, and I think every hobby I've ever, like, really had, I was always very much attracted to, like, the the notion of a community or a subculture kind of behind that particular activity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? well, well you, played, uh, you played soccer when you were growing up, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I, so like, so you're used to that club mentality, the, the sport of it, like, that? Kind of, because, like, I grew up in a, na- like, I'm, I'm born and raised in the Philadelphia suburbs, right? And I, I grew up in a neighborhood with, like, a ton of kids. And this is like back in the '80s when, like, all we did was just play outside till dark every day. Yeah, you, you don't come home until the streetlights like, come yeah. on. Yeah, and then sometimes you stay out even later than that. <laughs> but like, we didn't really like watch TV. We didn't really like play video games. Like, even in my neighborhood, like, if you had Nintendo, like, that's what you would do on like on a Friday night. Like, when your buddies would like, you'd have like a sleepover with your buds. You like play Nintendo, but like, you wouldn't go home after school and play Nintendo. Like, you go play football with your friends yeah. and like. So that's kind of how it was, and I remember when I was very young, I was just obsessed with playing sports, and you know, I was raised by a single mom who worked a lot to take care of me and my sister, and she was awesome. And then, like, she noticed I was like way into basketball. Mm-hmm. When I was like six, seven years old, like upset, like obsessed with the Sixers. Okay. Like I used to draw them, like <laughs> the whole, like I knew the whole roster, okay. and I used to draw every player on the team when I was like six. And, um, God, I can only imagine. I, I wonder if my mom still has any of those drawings. Oh, this I hope like, she does. This is like the 87 Sixers team. Like, I can only imagine how, like, potentially offensive these drawings might be today. Like, depending on, like, what shade of brown crayon I used to, like, draw Charles Barkley yeah, exactly. in 1987. <laughs> but, um, so I was just, like, obsessed with playing basketball. We had, like, courts down the street uh, from our house, and I used to just go shoot hoops all the time. And, so my mom signed me up for, like, the basketball team. And for her, it was, like, you know, a few days a week I had practice. I had games, and so she could drop me off for a few hours, and it would give her some time to do some stuff. And I remember I hated the basketball team because all I wanted to do was just play ball. But when you show up to basketball practice when you're seven, you don't really play basketball yeah, because you're just – it's, like, two hours of just, like, drills, yeah, le- learning the fundamentals and you know keep, and getting into basketball shape type of thing. Which I get because as a coach, you're coaching a bunch of seven-year-olds. You can't just toss them a ball and tell them to go play because they <laughs> have no idea what they're doing. They would just all chase the ball around. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, basketball practice when you're seven consists of like dribble left-handed, dribble right-handed, chest pass, bounce pass. And I loved my teammates, but I hated – like having to wear a uniform like I loved my coaches but I hated being told what to do like I hated the structure and the organization of it and that all changed when I was like 10 because there were some older kids down the street for me like older I was 10 they were like 14 oh, wow. but at that age I mean, that's like a big deal yeah. well 
That's like the difference between me and you. (laughs) Well, especially when you're that age. 10 and 14 is like, you might as well be on different planets, right? Because, like, you know, 14-year-olds don't hang out with 10-year-olds. Well, you're you're in elementary school, and they're almost in high school. They had had pit hair. I didn't have pit hair. But (laughs) when I was 10, these older kids down the street, there was, like, a cul-de-sac down the end of my street, and there was these two brothers, uh, the Manser brothers, and, like, a handful of their friends, and they were into skateboarding. So they used to build these little kicker ramps and launch ramps and they had these little things you could grind and rail slide on and they'd they'd skate in the cul-de-sac i used to ride my bike down i used to watch them skate and i was just like hooked and i remember going up to the one dude john manser who was probably like 14 or 15 at the time i'm like 10 and i'm like yo can i try your board and like Having been raised on like '80s movies, I just expected him to be like, "No, beat it, twerp!" Like, yeah. <laughs> like that's how the older, cooler kid yeah, yeah, like exactly. treats the younger, nerdy kid. But no, this guy was like, "Oh yeah, of course, man!" Like, hop on the board. He's like teaching me how to ride, teaching me how to like stand on it. And, like, he was so cool. And so, like two weeks after that, I'm in my driveway and I'm dribbling a basketball. I remember, and I see John Manser. He's skating up the street. Like three or four blocks away, he's cutting. He used to skate by my house every day, and I loved watching this dude skate because he skated like he'd push so hard. He skated like so with such passion, so fast, and it was like 1991. So we had this like the skater haircut, like yeah. the what like, do they call like, it? Like Tony like, Hawk and <laughs> Gleam in the Cube, <laughs> very <laughs> Gleam in the Cube, like this teardrop. So like when he's skating down the street, like the teardrops like flowing in the breeze, like. He just looks so cool and so badass. And like, So this one day, I see John skating up the street, as he always did. But on this day, not only was he on his skateboard, but he had a, he had a skateboard under his arm. And he's skating up the street, skating up the street. And I'm like, no, this isn't what I think it is. And then he turn, get, instead of going by my house, he turns up my driveway, starts coming right up to me. And he's like, hey, Chris, he hands me the skateboard. He's like, I made this for you. Like, he had a bunch of decks and yeah. trucks in his garage, oh, like, yeah. spare parts. So he, like, threw a board together for me, and he gave it to me. And, like, to this day, it's, like, the most generous thing anyone's ever done for me. Like, the most impactful thing. Like, I still remember it. It was actually a pretty cool board, too. It was a it was a Santa Cruz Rob Roskop deck with this, like, sick eyeball design on it. And it was all scratched and shit, but, like, that made it cooler. And then, like, a mix and match of, like, trucks and wheels, like, different colors, but... Like he put it together and he gave it to me. That sounds and awesome. Like, dude, from that day forward, I was just I was hooked on skateboarding. Yeah, so I mean, it's that like, was it for like the next five years. That's all I wanted to do. So, um, but very much a correlation to disc golf years later in my life because what I liked about skateboarding is what I didn't like about the soccer team and the basketball team because like with skateboarding, like I could go out and skate alone if I wanted to. Mm. I could go skate with, like, my buddy Pete across the street. Me and him could go out and skate. I could skate with, like, five of my friends, like, as a group. Um, Or just go up to the skate spot alone. Probably run into a couple guys I know. Like your local disc golf course, right? And so, um, you know, I see that kind of correlation where that's what I appreciated most about, like, sports is just kind of being able to do what you want without coaches and without – formal practice and no uniforms and so kind of what i found in skateboarding all those years ago i kind of found in disc golf you know after playing the kilt lifter <laughs> yeah no very much i mean i i, I understand that completely you know and it's it, it's nice to be able to do something on your own you know especially as we get older 
you're on your way home from work, like, oh, dude, I got, my wife's not going to be home for an hour and 20, I wouldn't know, I don't have a wife, but my <laughs> <laughs> wife's not going to be home for another hour and 20 minutes, oh, I can swing by this course and get in nine holes, or I can go do this, you can't go and, yo, hey, you guys want to play a pickup game, like, you can't, you can't right, pull that, you right. know what I mean, you, you can maybe pool picking, like, you can call Andy and be like, hey, mm -hmm. you want to meet me? And you tell them it's yeah. going to be like a half hour after you're supposed to be there. <laughs> and it'll still be late. And then <laughs> however it's going to be. Yeah, Shout so. out to my homie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's cool. And then I, I feel like that's a, I think about it a lot when I'm playing disc golf. You see new disc golfers, like you want to reach out. Like I'm, I know that's how I want to do because someone reached out to me like that when I was a kid when it came to hockey. You know, the older mm -hmm. kids played in our cul-de-sac and I lived in the cul-de-sac. So they played right next to my house and I was 10, 12 years old and they're, you know, Fred was 22. Like, he was, like, out of college or whatever. I don't think he went to college. You know, he's kind of, you know, he's a nice guy. But uh, he rolled down, and he had a Chevy Celebrity. He'd throw the, the hockey net on the back. He was the goalie. Yeah. You know, he'd roll down with his artist Herbe jersey from, the, you know, the San Jose Sharks. Sharks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The 93 Sharks teal. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You know, and, like, and, but that's, like, so important. That was so important in my life growing up. And it got me more interested in sports because playing with the kids in my neighborhood at my age sucked because they all sucked. It was terrible. You're not getting any better. I'm playing with kids, the guys that are like so much older than me, and it was full contact. They beat the living shit out of you. Like they didn't care. You know what I mean? It was nice. I was so close to home. If I fall and bust my face up, like I could just crawl into the grass and I'm home. You know, it's not a, not a problem. Didn't have far to go. Uh, yeah. You know, go but home I, and lick your wounds. Yeah, but I, I find myself when it's like on the disc golf course. If I see someone with like crap discs, yeah. and I ha and I happen to have extra discs in my car because I always do. I have three bins in my car right now. If you want to check them out, they're all for sale. Any West Side? <laughs> yeah, I think I do have a couple West Side in there. Right. You know what Sign I mean? Me up. Yeah, you can have them. <laughs> no. This is why you were the mayor of Quakertown <laughs> back in 2013. <laughs> hardly, hardly. But no, I, well, I think there, like, I had just started doing work at Naki. I was doing a lot of, like, I was going there and mowing. I mean, me and my dad had a lawn mowing business, so we had the, I had the tools. Yeah. So I see Beef right out there grinding on, like, a walk-behind mower with the grass waist high, <laughs> like, crunching and just, like, on rocks. And just, cur you can hear him cursing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, like, I was just, like, you know, this is my homie Devin's dad. I barely knew Brian at the time. And I'm, like, looks like he's killing himself out here. I'm, like, Brian, I told him, I'm like, Brian, just, he's, like, it's broken. I can't, I don't know what to do. And I was looking at it for him. And I'm, like, just park it. And I'll just mow the grass, dude. So that was probably right around that time, you know. I, I mean? remember I, seeing you though, yeah, weed whack in there. Yeah. Well, it's funny because like people ask, "How do you shoot a thousand rated round in your first tournament?" Mm -hmm. Like I had been playing disc golf casually for many, many years yeah. before I played my first tournament. Yeah. So I mean, I I got introduced to the sport in like 2006, and I didn't click with it at all at the, at first because the first time I ever played was like uh, my friend Kyle picked me up. He was like, "Yeah, we're gonna go play frisbee golf," and I was like, "Fuck that." Let's go drink beers. He was like, you can drink beers while you play. And I'm like, perfect. Let's go. <laughs> so we get the Sedgley. It's like in the summer, but we get there at like, you know, in the summer, it's like, you know, it gets dark around 839 or whatever. We get there at like 815. So it's like getting dark. And I'm with my buddy Kyle, his brother Corey, and I think our, our buddy uh, Tony DeLaurentis. So those guys all know how to play. And I had never played before. So... It's like getting dark and it's summer, so like everything's kind of grown in, like all the vegetation and bushes. And so they're like throwing their drive and they're all throwing like drivers, like high speed discs. So they're all just like hyzering out, like off the fairway. And then they would like sprint to go find the disc so they didn't lose it. Yeah. 
So it was like, this is how I'm introduced to the sport. You throw and then you run. <laughs> and I'm like, this is stupid. Yeah. So we're just throwing, running, and I did not enjoy it. So didn't get hooked. But I remember like a couple months later, they were like, yo, we're going to go play this course, Brandywine. And now it was like a Sunday morning. So it wasn't dark out. Brandywine has no trees. So I tagged along for a Brandywine, uh, Brandywine round. And that was a lot more fun because that was the first time I figured out, okay, so the discs turn left. So I just aim to the right. I was throwing like 100-foot spike hyzers. Yeah. But at least it was a little bit more enjoyable. Mm -hmm. So that was like my second disc golf outing. Um, and then probably around 2008 or nine, I got a, I had a job. I was in working in sales, like outside sales. And I got a new territory at work. And my territory was the Lehigh Valley. So every day, and I lived in Philly, so I would drive every day to like Allentown, Bethlehem, or Easton. And this job was like, typical day was like you'd have like a 10 o'clock appointment with a client that would last about two hours, and then you'd have another appointment at like four o'clock. So like between like one and three, you'd have two hours to kill. Mm -hmm. So I'm in Allentown, I can't drive back to Philly because it's just too far. So like every day I like have a couple hours to kill. So what am I going to do? So that's when I started taking my friends had given me a few discs. I started taking the discs with me and a change of clothes and um I was just playing disc golf alone like every day between work appointments to kill time. And I'm all over the Lehigh Valley. So I'm playing Jordan, I'm playing Somo, I'm playing Parkway, Naki. Think about this. So these days if you were to play a course that's on the level of Nakamixon, like or like a Warwick, like a really good championship level course, yeah, odds are the first time you play a course of that quality these days, you know you've heard about it. Like people have told you about it. You've oh, seen yeah. Facebook posts. You've seen videos. Like you kind of know about it. There's a hype before yeah. you go play it. Back in 2008, like I kind of stumbled upon Naki. I found it on the internet, but I didn't know anything about the course. And I remember getting to the park and then not knowing where in the park the course was. Mm -hmm. I'm alone. I got like two discs, and I had to like find the course and figure it out. And I mean, Naki Mixon is such a gem of a course. Like, imagine just like stumbling upon a course oh, yeah. like that. Well, that was that was actually designed that way. Like uh, Lebowski, like planned. I'm pretty sure he never he never confirmed this. This might not actually be true, but I'm pretty sure that like he didn't want signage, didn't want anybody to know. He like enjoyed the course to himself, like oh. and and rightfully so. Like I know when I started mowing, I don't know if he was, he was probably half joking, but like it went from that bottom tier like lot mm -hmm. to be like half full at like noon, right. to the third tier being full, like all cars yeah. and like. He was just like, I can't play. I want to come out and play, and I can't even play. Like, it's the course is full, you know? So, so like, I think that that was designed that way. And then it wasn't until a little later that actually, well, with U-Disc, and now, every, like, every, like you can't hide a course anymore. It's fun, And yeah. I hope that's and, true. And we should never let the truth get in the way of a good story. Yeah, that sounds yeah. great. I mean, it might be true. I mean, I don't know if Kevin listens. If and I remember me, seeing know. the big Lebowski <laughs> back in those days, like, there, like, you know, because Naki had, like, all these areas you couldn't get a mower in because oh, just yeah. all the boulders and the rocks. Mm -hmm. And so... I mean, between you and B. Fred and Kevin, it's like it's just like a labor of love to like weed whack that place in the summer. And then, yeah, I remember back then. I mean, I didn't even. This two thousand eight, two thousand nine. I'm literally like on my lunch break, and I would see you guys out there like weed whacking. But um, 
And it's funny because recently, so I played this course called The Grove. Okay. About two months ago. Thompson Grove. Okay, where's this at? And this is in central New Jersey. And shout out to uh, Howard and Adam who like designed and built this course. That's it's, not that's not Thompson Park, right? It's close. It's, it's a different it's, course. It's a different course. It's okay, in the same so general no, area, okay. but it is a it's a gem of a course. It's really long, it's really hard. But I played it about two months ago for the first time. And I'm playing it with my buddy Mikey Walsh, right? And so we get there and it's before like there's no signs. Mm-hmm. And so we get to like, you know, every tee pad we would get to and Mikey's like, oh, where's the pin on this one? And he's like trying to look it up on his phone. And I'm like, dude, no, that's like part of the fun is like we don't know where the pin is. Like, yeah. let's find it. Like, this yeah. is how every course used to be. Like, you would just have to kind of want like throw down the fairway and eventually you'll find the basket. And yeah. then sometimes you would get to a basket and you'd be like, well, is it for this hole or is this for a different hole? And like that was part of the fun. Oh, yeah. And that has been it's part of the sport that's kind of gone. These oh, days definitely. with disc and your phone is in your pocket now, so you can pull up maps. And so it was kind of nice to play a really long course for the first time and have to kind of navigate your way around and figure everything out. And that was half the fun for me because yeah. that's how I used to play every course. And, you know, you can never play a new course for the first time twice. And so playing a new course for the first time is an experience that I love about our sport. Oh, that was deep. It is. That was real deep. It's going to be on my gravestone right there. (laughs) You you can only play one. What is that? You only can play a new course once. I don't remember. I don't don't know. I'm not not actually listening. (laughs) But, yeah, so I was playing playing Naki for years. Like, literally, like, every day for, like, four years. Like, 2008, 9, 10, 11. Like, I was playing disc golf alone every single day just because I always had this downtime with my job. I'd play Naki. Jordan, Somo, and I got kind of familiar with these courses, and I got pretty good. And so, yeah, like, the did, first tournament I ever play, I go to Naki, which was a par 68 monster course, like one of the best courses in PA. And to shoot a 1,000-rated round my first tournament mm-hmm. was because I had been playing that course almost daily for four or five years by myself. Yeah. And so, you did know. You, now, when you were playing the course by yourself, did you realize that you were shooting, like, pro-level golf? No, because I had no reference point because okay. I didn't really – I never played a tournament before, so I don't. I didn't really know. Yeah, I knew that I was improving. Mm-hmm. I just kind of knew that, hey, I'm better in 2013 than I was in 2008. Yeah. But um, it wasn't until I played my first, you know, organized tournament in 2013 that, you know, I kind of got that taste of like, you know, um, the competitive vibe of it, and you know, I can kind of hang with, you know, some of the higher end guys yeah. in the Lehigh Valley. Well, so. you, like you stepped in and you were you were already ahead a little bit you know you didn't start at the bottom you were in the already in the mix with all like the best golfers and best people you can be around so that's that's pretty sweet you know yeah and i was just completely like no one ever taught me i didn't really like no one ever kind of taught me you didn't watch any videos you didn't go on youtube watch (sighs) tutorials you know behind you so a lot of these dvds oh Oh, dvd oh so there was a there was a disc golf shop in allentown yeah dodos dodos yeah right so Yeah. yeah shout out to pete berkey and love dodos. And so, you know, I found this disc golf shop. I used to stop there anytime I was in the area, a couple times a month. And every time I was near dodos, I just made it a point to go in and just buy something because I just wanted to support what he was doing, keep oh, the shop open. And so. And he was so close to Parkway. It was like, it was like it was right, right there. Anytime yeah. I played Parkway, boom, stopping mm-hmm. at the dodos disc golf shop. And so, started buying. DVDs. I got about ten of them over there. Yeah, you got. Um, so do I got enough mic? Here, let me lose the headphones. So probably next to that America book. 
A lot of those are, are DVDs I bought. Vibram, you got Vibram old, open. Old Clash ones. A lot of Clash DVDs. Oh, Billy Crump. That was the Dave yes. Feldberg and Ken Climo DVD. I bought that at Dodo's. Feldberg. And so, I mean, in the era before Jomez and YouTube and Gatekeeper and all these great production companies, I had seven DVDs that I watched over and over again. <laughs> and uh, that's kind of like my introduction to like at least how to throw flat and straight because yeah. prior to that I'm just throwing spike hyzers cuz I thought that's what you did. Yeah. And then you see, you know, guys like Nate Doss, Barry Schultz, Ken Climo, Dave Feldberg throwing flat and straight and that mm. was like one of those aha moments for me. You're like, "Oh, like, wait a oh, second here. I shouldn't be throwing a 13-speed uh driver on a 200-foot shot." <laughs> yeah. And so um because nobody ever kind of broke it down for me as far as the different types of discs and different types of shots. I kind of learned all of that on my own. Mm -hmm. And uh, some of those DVDs kind of paved the way for me. Yeah, that's <laughs> so shout out sweet. to Dodos. Yeah, love that place. yeah shout out. To, I, I love Dodos. I wonder if maybe that's where we saw each other. Like that was my my first ever sponsor was Dodos. Really? Yeah, the, he had nice. a he had a, a disc golf team, a very a street team of <laughs> sorts. You know, nice. with a bunch of, with a bunch of just schmoes from. <laughs> from PA and then Devin, you know, he was the biggest that guy. Yeah. 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 But I mean, we had like Hannah Leatherman was on the team. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, US champion. Yeah, so, absolutely. You know, um, so I'm looking at these DVD and you learn how to play golf by watching Dave Felberg. That guy. How, how, <laughs> yeah, that guy, you know, um, how was that? How was it competing against like, like, I mean, you were with, you were on a card with him every single round, right? Except maybe first round. Yeah, so last year I spent five straight days on lead card of a PDJ major, and is, every single day I was in first place at the end of the day, but tied with Dave Feldberg. Yeah, and then it would be like, Dave Feldberg's in first, and a bold print, and then it's like, Chris Villa. Yeah, Feldberg shoots well, or Joe Hansen shoots well, mm -hmm. or, you know, well, Stevie Rico was right there, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. that, I mean, the, like, like, These guys like, are legends, full, Like, full-on legends of the sport. These guys are you know legends, I mean? like, and, you know, even in their 40s, they, those guys are so technically sound, and so this was at the 2021 uh, Pro Worlds for the Masters Division and uh, in Tennessee, and so, um, yeah, so <laughs> for five straight days... I shot the identical score as Dave. Dave was the coming in as the two-time defending Masters World Champion mm -hmm. in the MP40. So, um, so for five straight days, five straight rounds, uh, shot the exact same score as Dave, <laughs> and it drove him crazy. <laughs> and uh, a really cool experience. I, I had a chance to play with Dave a couple times in the past. So, um, and I love playing with him. He's so good and he's like so mentally strong mm -hmm. and uh he got me in the final nine but uh and i was super happy for him um yeah. but yeah cool experience playing on the lead card of a major for five straight days and being on film every day and um getting to play with michael joe which is certainly sweet. one of the guys i look up to the most like love that guy's game and definitely i'm proud to call him a friend and yeah yeah i have a good i have a good mj story i'll tell you all after the podcast it's oh okay yeah, it's something good. Not G rated. Yeah, okay. no, no, it's it's you know, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. G rated, but yeah, <laughs> but no, that's awesome. I mean, we were, I know we were all rooting. Everybody back here was rooting for you, dude. It was a lot free. of support from Pennsylvania. Dude, it was so, which, it was which was so really awesome cool. to yeah. see it like every day. Like there's there there you are, there yeah. you are, and we're and I'm just back here like chip on the shoulder. Like why the <laughs> fuck isn't he like? Why aren't they saying Chris Villa is in the like with the bold print? I mean, obviously you were tied with him, but it, like 
you know. Get, well, I'll get, tell you what. Get I, your just dues, you know. I mean, I, I guess you kind of are, you know what I mean? Like, with being representing Team USA, you know what I mean? Like, people, I mean. Totally. We all yeah. know you're, you're like, a disgustingly good player out here, you know what I mean? We all know it. The world just needs to know it, you know. And it was nice to kind of make some noise down there and, you know, in a big event and, uh, you know, get on film and make some, like, pretty great shots and had a couple throw-ins, had a throw-in for Eagle on film, which kind of, like, went viral and then, the final round, uh, there was five rounds and then a final nine. So the the final hole of the fifth round, I threw in from like 90 feet on hole 18 mm. to tie Dave for yeah. the round again. And so like that kind of that clip went kind of viral, which was really cool. Um, so that kind of, I think, led to, you know, at least me making enough noise and making somewhat of a name for myself that the PGA kind of selected me for Team USA this year. Of course, you know, the highest rated players in our country can't go compete in this particular tournament this summer because our best players are all on tour. Yeah. So, um, I mean, not that you can't like, you're, you're the best, you're number, the number three masters player in the world, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, well, yeah. in, until 2023, and I don't he, know what Dave's doing. I'm sure maybe he didn't answer their calls. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, he's, but, yeah he's, uh, he's running that, uh, that, that amateur <laughs> disc golf thing or whatever that's, but you so. know, I can't tour, you know, I got, you know, I'm really happy with I have a career that kind of demands a lot of my time and uh, you know, I'm happily married. My, I live with my wife who's amazing and her and I kind of run uh, her business. And so, you know, it, I play a lot of regional events and I mm-hmm. do make a couple trips you know, maybe throughout the year to play some larger ones, too. But so I can't tour, but it's nice to, you know, have a chance to go to Europe because, you know, all of our best players are on tour. So but, yeah. you know, kind of goes back to that world's performance nice. that i think put me in a position where i can be selected to kind of you know do something cool this summer heck yeah um do you know who else is on the team or and are, and are you allowed to share that yeah so the roster is not finalized okay. but a lot of the um a lot of the candidates and potential players for team usa have been posted and you know like locally in our area we got kevin gleason yeah like Good buddy of mine, mm-hmm. disc golf brother. Yeah, he's uh, uh, from what, Maryland. Uh, he's the U.S. captain of Latitude 64. He's, right? Yeah, sponsored yeah. by Lat, and uh, he captains the U.S. team for Latitude. And then locally, we got Curtis Taves. Okay, uh, he's oh, he's on it too. Also, a buddy of mine here from Philly. So, um, the three of us are going to have a lot of fun going out there oh, together. That awesome, and man. So, just want to maximize, you know, being able to kind of enjoy the trip, play well, and uh, I think going with some of my buddies and having some familiarity with a couple of guys on the team already. It's mm. going to make it really special. Well, that and the familiarity with the course, and that's going to help. Just, and like, and just being like there. There's something about being in a different country that it's like, oh, I've been here before. It's like, it's like, it's like you were talking <laughs> so, about the new course. You can only play a new course once. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean, so it's totally. Like, you can only be to a new place one time, and now it's a co- now it's a place, you know, and you and you're comfortable there and. Who knows? You may run into friends there or whatever that are from Croatia. Oh, I do have a lot of friends yeah. in Croatia. Yeah. So it's like you get uh, so really you excited have that comfort level. I think that's always like that's like the home court advantage. That's why I'm like that's why I'm devastated that I lost Naki because I shoot yeah. thousand rated golf and Naki. I'm yeah. not a thousand rated golfer, but yeah. I shoot thousand rated golf at my home course in you know at my home because I'm comfortable mm-hmm. there. And I think that level of comfort is is definitely you know a good thing. And I hope you I hope you crush. Yeah, you know what, what are the uh, odds that we're you know this this tournament's in Croatia? What are the odds it's at a course I've been to? Hey, like dude, I, I mean, I don't travel a lot, but I've been to this course, so yeah, it's pretty it, crazy. It was, meant to, it was meant to be, man. I'm like I'm a big fan of like things happening for a reason, you know. And you you went there and it happened for a reason. You got to go out there. I don't know if you knew Paige before that, but you befriend your Paige when you're out there, and you get to know you know all these the inner circle a little bit better. Once you get that like invite, like hey, you Chris is cool. He's good. And then you're like, oh, 
and then you're a part of it. You know what I mean? You mm-hmm. see Dave Felberg, you see these guys, and you're like, eh, you know, you're just that you're Dave. You're not Dave yeah. Felberg. I, I see him, and I'm like, you're Dave Felberg. Holy crap, <laughs> you know? Like, or like even when I met like like, like all the guys that came to Q Town for the Disc Golf Pro Tour thing, it's like, holy crap, like Kevin Jones. I'm playing yeah. poker with Kevin yeah. Jones. This is, pre- yeah, I mean, and then, cool. and then it get you get over it after like after he beats you in a hand or something, and you're like, <laughs> then you're like, screw this, like, f this guy, yeah, <laughs> footfall. You know? He's like, good at everything. Yeah, exactly. You know, but like it's it's what's the poker equivalent of a footfall? <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. That's like a like a chain bet or you know. <laughs> well, it's funny because yeah, I'm just I'm humbled to say that I can I call a lot of my favorite players like a lot of my favorite pro disc offers. I can say, you know, I'm friends with, you know, yeah. and that's crazy because, you know, the guys I looked up to when I first started playing, like Michael Joe, Barry Schultz, um, Steve Brinster, you know, these guys are still the, the guy, even to this day, the guys that I root for the most. And, oh, definitely. You know, I'm like thrilled to say that, like, I'm friends with these guys, too. So. Yeah, well, and it's, it's great rooting for your friends when they're good, too. You know yeah. what I mean? I root for some of my friends and they're terrible. And it's just <laughs> like, you just, you're a good friend for doing it, but it's like, dude, you know. I think that's the state motto of Pennsylvania. Yeah, yeah. yeah root, root. <laughs> <laughs> my friends are terrible, but I root for them. Yeah, I root for them anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and speaking of rooting for friends, I don't know if you saw any of the scores from yesterday. You know, DBW. Yep. Shooting a pretty hot round there was a nine down, two off the lead was incredible pretty, was pretty, round. Yeah, and so I'm, happy for him. Yeah, I'm really hoping that he, uh, you know, he's obviously a friend of the of the podcast. You know, yeah. I'm shout hope, out to Dan Brooks Wells. I I'm mean, hoping that he does well. You know, especially for Vegas because it's like you know it's such a long off season where you just you're looking forward to playing again and competing. And so this particular event is like it's got all this build up and you know the Pro Tour is a grind because there's stages during the year where like the guys who play on the Pro Tour are playing three or four events in a month and it's like they just seem to come back to back to back to back but vegas is the one where you have like months and months of anticipation so to see our homeboy from pennsylvania dan brooks wells just light it up round one i'm so happy for him it's amazing i mean it's all and we expect it you know i mean because we know because we know that he's that good of a golfer he's that committed to the game you know and i've mentioned it before he just like he 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 has the mentality of it like i like i played with him at an event and he didn't shoot well mm-hmm. and he was like and i was like oh man you didn't shoot well he's like oh it's okay though and i'm like oh cool and he's mm-hmm. like i didn't practice how can i get yeah. any better if i don't practice and it's like that mentality and i've told i probably said this five times in the podcast it's like my favorite dan brookswell story that i can tell in the podcast um <laughs> <laughs> you know, so but like it's like I, I love that mentality and I, I feel like you kind of have that same mindset like you're very rationally minded like you're not going into an you know you're not going into an event unprepared and expecting like the best of the best you know you play your game and that's the best you can do golf is mental man and yeah you, know, you got to recognize that and you know I'm also like always happy to see my friends succeed I mean the last time I played with Dan was the 2020 Tinicum open local B tier Tinny mm-hmm. and uh, we're tied going into the last hole and that last hole was at like 800 foot par four was it oh hole 18 hole 18 the big runway hole yeah so we're tied going into hole 18 and our drives are pretty similar and i think i'm second shot i'm throwing first and my my second shot lands kind of near the basket but it flare skips about 40 feet left so now i got like a 40 foot putt for birdie Mm -hmm. And so Dan went second, and I forget which MVP disc he threw, but to this day, it's one of the best shots I've ever seen anyone throw. And he threw his shot way wider right than mine, and I thought too far right. Yeah. Like, he saw what happened to mine, and he compensated, but 
he went way far right. And I'm watching his disc, and as soon as it hits the ground, it flared like 200 feet left, and he parked it, and he tapped in for the win. I was so happy for him. Yeah. Like that was like he earned it. That shot was so incredible, and one of the best shots I've ever seen as far as like the pressure, the scenario, and he got it done, man. I was like so happy for him. So, yeah, to see him shoot really well first round of Vegas, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, he yeah he deserved it. You know, so that's great. Awesome, man. Um, yeah, I think we've kind of covered everything. You know. I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Plus, I mean, it's, it's James Harden Day. It is. Happy and Harden they, Days they, they game, to everybody the game, out there. The game started already, you know what I mean? So I got to so. get my uh, brown crayons out and uh, maybe uh, <laughs> started, do a little depiction do, of... Do a uh, depiction? No, just, I, just don't. <laughs> and Beaton Harden. They're the only two worth drawing on this yeah, team. Yeah, but. just about. I mean, Maxi. You know, I mean, I hope, I'm <laughs> I hoping, Tyrants, I'm hoping yeah. he turns out to be totally. a really good player. You know what I mean? I'm hoping him and... I was, I was excited to see... Uh, the video of James at the first practice and he yeah. was working with Maxie on the, that step back three. Nice. And like, he, you could tell he was like coaching him. And it's like, if, if James Harden could be anything, you know, like a mentor to, you know, Tyrese Maxie, mm -hmm. I mean, he's a, like, you know, James Harden's one of the, one of the greatest. Even in that Bucks game where the Sixers beat the Bucks last Wednesday mm -hmm. came down to the wire, but you see Harden on the bench in street clothes and he's chatting up Maxie. Yep. Yep. And Maxi just like took his game to another level. So. Yeah, um, yeah, and I'm, I'm hoping that they really Sick. work together. I mean, J Maxi's probably going to be like the you know the stud of the second squad that goes down. I mean, uh, Doc likes to do the the hockey line change. Yep. Instead bring of in just bringing line. in like one guy at a time. Like, no, let's do all four. Yeah, just I bring mean, in Cork Maz and Maxi and oh Danny Green. God, just put them yeah, all out oh there. Gosh, that's yeah, that's really <laughs> scary. That's, that's cool. Speaking of line changes, Blake. Okay, so right. I got to shout out real quick my apparel yeah. sponsor, Heiser Flip, and awesome. Scott Lewis. So Scott is taking my fundraiser west side philadelphia stamp and he's putting it on some high performance dry fit shirts okay that heiser flip's going to be selling the proceeds will benefit my journey to croatia to compete for team usa and so scott has made these shirts um, they're going to be available soon for purchase and i appreciate anybody who supports me supports what we do but um they're going to be orange and black Flyers colors. Oh, awesome. So pretty yeah, stoked. Dude, and uh, shout out to Heiser Flip Apparel and Scott Lewis for hooking me up. Oh, nice, nice. Um, and you also said you were what you're sponsored by Cosmic also? Cosmic Disc Golf Shop, Cosmic Dave. I really appreciate his support. Um, Cosmic Crew is our team of sponsored ambassadors and players, and we're growing and growing. We recently added Holly Finley to the Cosmic Crew. Oh, so nice. excited to kind of see the Cosmic brand go from a local Philadelphia thing to really a national thing and an international thing. Dave has some big plans. I believe he's out in Vegas right now promoting the Cosmic oh, yeah. brand. So Cosmic is selling my fundraiser Philadelphia discs in their shop in Cherry Hill and also on their website. So CosmicDG.com. Uh, if you want to buy a disc and support, I appreciate it very much. And uh, shout out to Cosmic and shout out to Cosmic Dave and all my Cosmic crew, brothers and sisters. Love you guys. Awesome. Awesome. And those discs that he's selling are stamped on what, West Side discs? Yeah, so all West Side molds. And some of the molds that this disc or this stamp comes on are discs that are staples in my bag, discs that I throw. I mean, I, I think this stamp makes a great wall hanger for anybody yeah. oh, who collects definitely. West Side stuff mm -hmm. or anything Pennsylvania or Philadelphia disc golf related. So if you want to add a unique stamp to your collection, hang it on the wall. I'm cool with that, but... Throw it. Discs are meant to be thrown. So yeah, buy 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 a disc that Chris throws and throw like Chris. Yes. Maybe. So we got hatchets, we got stags, we got harps, crowns, swords, 
and Swan One Reborns. Ah, the Swans. And the Swan is what I am, I'm putting with currently. So there's the molds available with my fundraiser stamp, and they're all great throwers. So I'd say go out and get you one for a limited time before they're all gone. Nice. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna do that. You know, I have my wallet right here, so that's perfect. Awesome. Um. Cool, dude. I think that's it. Um, you just mentioned your sponsors. I need to spend mention my sponsors. I need to mention Star Park Disc Golf uh, out of Tupelo, Mississippi. They sponsor me because I have a mullet. They said I don't have to say anything about them. They don't really care what I do just or have what the I best say. Mullet in the game. Just have that's a mullet, and there's a few other rules that I'm not going to mention on air. So, <laughs> you know, Star Park Disc Golf. Also, I want to mention a new sponsor I just picked up: Mystic Medicinals VT. Mystic Medicinals is a small business out of Northeast Vermont, dedicated to using sustainable farming practices and making quality, full-spectrum hemp products. They won't break the bank either. So that's a great thing. You know, so if you do anything with CBDs, anybody over 21, of course, we don't have a lot of listeners under 21, check out mysticmedicinalsvt.com. Use code BLAZE10 at checkout and get 10% off your order. And, uh, you know, if you feel like it, leave a comment for them and tell them that, you know, you heard it here on the weekly pump. And uh, that's about it. You know, I don't know. I'm new to that. So that was a great ad Did, read. So? Top awesome. shelf, cool. bar awesome. down, yeah. nailed it. I've been working on it. You know Dead I mean? center chains. Look, I look in the mirror and I just, I mouth it. I don't say it. I think I need to start saying it. You know, it's a tough one. So thank you, Chris. Dude, this was awesome. Thanks, um, Blaze. I'm, I'm glad we finally got them to hang out and, you know, everything like that. So thanks for um, having me. Yeah, dude. Love you, man. Best of luck. Appreciate on, it. Best of luck on tour or well, on local tour and everything like that. Love you too, bro. Thanks, bud.